My Strong Word, the program where each weekday morning we explore the Holy Scriptures through which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning in to Worldwide KFUO, Christ for You Anytime, Anywhere. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the program using your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word or search your app store for KFUO's own app. Thy Strong Word is underwritten by the generous folks at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Learn more about what they do at lhfmissions.org. Today's program is live, and I invite you to call into the studio with comments or questions. That number is 800 730 2727. You can also email me your questions and comments, or maybe you just want to say hello at pastorboo at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R-B-O-O-E at gmail.com. Today we open our Bibles to Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 31. In the first half of the chapter, which we heard yesterday, St. Paul left us with a sobering message. He quoted the Psalms, which reveal, None is righteous, no, not one. And the very last verse we heard was, For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And that's where we left off. Like the first half of a good law gospel sermon, we stopped before the apostle got to Jesus. Well, today, to help bring home the gospel, I am pleased, very pleased, to welcome my guest, the Reverend Scott McDonald, pastor of St. John Lutheran Church in Meriden, Connecticut. Pastor McDonald, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you, Pastor Boo. It's good to be here. Well, you know, Pastor McDonald and I go back a little ways. When I was serving in Connecticut, he was just down the road in Meriden. And so it's great to hear you. I've been in Laverne for a couple of years now, but I'm so happy to have you on the show. It's it's good to be here and to uh, to talk with you. I don't know the last time we've actually uh, chatted. We've we've messaged or emailed a bit. Um, we haven't had lunch in a couple of years either, but uh, we enjoyed that and uh, enjoyed the you know recording for the local. Christian radio station as well, and um, and now here you are. So I'm so happy for you with thy strong word. Well, thank you for that. You know that is interesting. First of all, the last time we had lunch, I believe you paid, and I said I will get the next one, and then I moved two thousand miles away. So I definitely, I definitely owe you one. Also, yeah, um, yeah you know that's one thing the listeners might not know. Go ahead. You haven't invited me over. We we need to work something out. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're welcome in Minnesota anytime. Thank you. Yeah, Thank uh, you. Pastor McDonald and I also, and I think if I'm if not mistaken, you're the one who got me interested in it. We're uh, regulars on a local Christian station back in Connecticut, and we did, uh, I guess, week long devotions where there was a devotion every right. day, and that was that was right. really fun. I enjoyed doing it. I have reused some of those devotions as uh, articles in the right. local newspaper. But yeah, it, it was great. It was a great. 
it's a, a great blessing to, to delve into a text and uh, and share the faith on the uh, on the radio waves with 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 people who are listening, believers, and we we know there are people seeking and 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 needing God's word. So, yep, it's a great privilege, and I'm privileged to share today with you. Okay, excellent. So today, um, before we get started, could you just share a little bit about what's going on with uh, you, the saints going on in uh, in Mary? Sure. Uh, this is my second congregation in Meriden, Connecticut. This is St. John Lutheran Church. I firstly served in Odenton, Maryland at First Evangelical Lutheran Church there uh, for about 14 years. So, uh, you know, I'm blessed here entering my seventh year with with St. John. I'm blessed and hope to be a blessing to our people continually and to the community. Um, and uh, I had the blessing of meeting you here. So a number of good things going on in this location. Thank you. That's well, where good, we are. wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, did you do VBS or anything like that this year? We we had vacation Bible school just a week ago. A great turnout. We had the um, uh, you know members of our uh, Sunday school program, our congregation, and uh, and some folks from the community, and that's always exciting because you you know you want to as a pastor interact with with the community, and uh, thanks be to God, some of our uh, visitors have have been uh, speaking to me about getting involved in the church, coming and worshiping with us, and uh, you know these are these were guests at VBS sending their children, so so it was a success by those standards, but. It's always a blessing because you're um, you're planting the seeds of God's word, and you pray that He will give the increase. Of course, of course. All right, brother. Well, you know what I would like to do is go ahead and get started. But uh, mm-hmm. before we get started, would you please uh, begin with a word of prayer for us? Sure. Um, let us pray. Merciful Father. Bless the hearing of your word this day, as well as all those hearing it. May your will be done in it, through it, and uh, and with it in our lives as we hear it this day. May it inspire our faith. We pray these things through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Amen, for sure. All right, we're going to begin by reading uh, some of our verses that are appointed for today. We are reading from the, well, we're reading from the English Standard Version of the Holy Bible, beginning with verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, that is about half our verses, but there is so much packed in. Let's begin with the very first verse. In fact, actually, why don't we take a step back? Give us a little insight into what Paul was doing in the first half of this chapter and how it connects to what he's doing now. 
Right. Well, you know, we were um, you know, learning that we're all held accountable to God. Every mouth is stopped by his law. Uh, in, in many places, we see the blessing that the law is, that the law is holy and good. And yet it's its chief function, as we understand it, and uh, largely by way of of the Spirit speaking through St. Paul, is that we would be uh, accused before God and see our need. Um, so uh, we are held accountable to God. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin, as as he said, and, um, uh, and all are without excuse, um, you know, for the sin uh, and practice of it. Our God is not indifferent to sin. And so, uh, so this is kind of where he has, has brought us in his letter and um, uh, showing that, uh, that all have sinned. And, well, that's perhaps jumping ahead, uh, a little bit of a quote uh, in advance there, but uh, that the concept is certainly there. Sure. So when we come into verse 21 then, he's talking about the righteousness of God being manifested apart from the law, but that this is not something new. It is something that, of course, the scriptures bear witness to. Lead us through these first few verses and how they connect. Sure. So um, now, verse 21 uh, the righteousness of God has been has been manifested apart from the law, and he says, although the law and the prophets bear witness uh, to it, I I made note uh, have some notes here. You know, verse twenty one begins with the word but in terms of our uh, English standard translation, uh, but and it's kind of a a transitional word as as I see it, and uh, leading us to. Uh, well, we're moving from the law now to the gospel, from the the problem to the solution, from the you know the warning to the to the promise of Christ. Uh, uh, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested, uh, and as I understand it, this is worded in kind of a divine present. You know, uh, some translations I believe have it this way: Now the righteousness of God is revealed. And, uh, you know, it, yes, it has been, uh, but it is now, and it uh, still will be. It is uh, revealed to the world, and it has everything to do with uh, Christ, the law, and the prophets, uh, were all have been pointing toward it, and, um, and it is revealed for us. Uh, the righteousness of God through faith in Christ uh, for all who believe. And, you know, this is, uh, Pastor Boo, as you know, a text that is often appointed for, uh, well, I guess annually, for, for, the, um, for the, the service of the Reformation. And, um, and, and rightly so, you know, it, it's perfect for such a day. We know uh, what these words meant to Martin Luther in the 16th century, and... Um, and what they mean to uh, to the evangelical church of of today, uh, the uh, through faith as through means we are saved, uh, not by works of the law, but we see here that the righteousness of God uh, grants uh, grants the the Savior from our sin, and we are um, 
by faith or through faith, as he says, uh, receiving uh, the blessing uh, that he gives. I think it's uh, probably something to call attention to that we see, um, you know, the word through faith, that it's it's through means of faith, uh, by way of faith that this takes place. And uh, that's certainly a theme throughout the book of Romans, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I, as I recall, Martin Luther once spoke of faith as the as the hand that receives what is offered to it. And, uh, you know, there's so much more we could say about what is saving faith. But I, I think that's a good way to start because it's instrumental. It's the way that um, that we accept, that we receive what what God gives, the very righteousness of God in Jesus Christ and his his sacrifice. I, I came across a, um, a quote from an early church father, fourth century father, St. John Chrysostom. Uh, he said, uh, you know, I think he was referencing uh, the passage um, earlier in the chapter that, you know, every mouth is stopped by the law of God. And he said, you know, we might also be shocked to realize that we contribute nothing to our salvation. He said, the one thing we bring, the one thing we contribute to to the process of salvation is our faith. And of course, rightly understood, as St. Paul uh, articulates it, even that faith is a gift. So uh, so we uh, we give thanks to God for that. See now verse that, twenty-three. Should I continue on through, or? Well, no. Let's stop for just a moment because you said sure, that sure. the one thing that we bring is our faith, and it's interesting because I think that we've had this discussion before so far in Romans about where does right. faith lie as it relates to works of human beings. Is our faith something that we do, way we choose to believe, or we? make a decision for Christ, or is faith something that we're given? Now, you so aptly have already put that it's clearly something that is given to us. And yet, so right. often, so often we think of our faith or our belief as something that we're doing, as if right. by choosing God, we are thereby uh, pleasing him by making, you know, we're going to choose him rather than our sinful right. will. I've also heard uh, that one thing that we bring to our salvation is our sin. When we, mm. That's the thing that we contribute, if we contribute uh, anything, of course, is mm -hmm. our sin. Now, in verse Indeed. 20, right before our text today, he says, For by works of the law no human being will be justified. But then there's, some, there's a little bit of debate, uh, not among Lutheran circles, but in Christendom in general, about what does he mean by works of the law? Is he talking about just this works-based view of salvation that you have to work your way into heaven? Or is it talking about fidelity to the covenants within the Jewish community? How do we see the works of the law? So, so today, in 2022, because that's what we like to do, we like to try to apply that to our lives today. Um, how are people trying to work their way into heaven, if at all, are people? Right. I think that the fact that these words address all people, and as we shall see, all have, you know, sinned and fallen short, we, we see that we're all responsible for, um, and verse 23 makes that real clear there, 
we are all responsible for the sin. Um, uh, you know, I was going to say the sin that we commit, but it's the sin that we live in. I, I think that something has to be said about uh, the, the reality the ex- that is the sinful existence. We're born into it. Um, it is uh, from conception, original with our conception and creation. Um, uh, not that God wills for us to, to die in our sin, but it is so much a part of a fallen uh, human existence. And so uh, as a result of that, any good works that we would attempt outside of God's grace uh, in, his, in the regeneration, the sa- saving grace he gives in Christ, well, those are they're not truly really good. Uh, therefore, we cannot bring you know faith to God as if it was some good work that we bring to Him, uh, you know, out of our own efforts. Which gets back to again that we are saved by grace. That's the gift of God in Christ through faith. And uh, yeah, Ephesians chapter two makes it real clear that grace and faith are gifts of our God. He creates that faith within us to accept um, the, the gift he is He is placing in our lives. Excellent. So we see here too, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Well, no one could ever say that Paul wrote very short sentences. In fact, lots of write-ons, at least the way we interpret them. But when we look at this really important text, it has something to say about our position before God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Out in the world, I think that the stereotype of Christians is that we are a bunch of people who think that we're better than everybody else. And yet... As a cornerstone of our belief, we believe that we are all sinful and we all mm. fall short of God's glory, or that is what he expects from the law. So the law Dude. makes us accountable. The law promotes the knowledge of sin. It contains no justification, but God does redeem us in a way that is outside of the law, even though the prophets and the Torah, the law, bear witness to it. So let's dig into that a little bit um, in the next few minutes before our break. You know, let's look at at how God's grace is a gift and what it, what does it mean to be a propitiation? What does that mean? And what does it mean right. that we receive this by faith? There's so much here, and uh, uh, I know the the show goes no longer than an hour. I think we need a couple of hours, Pastor Boo. Uh, but uh, we right. we will spend our lives, you know, mining the depths of these the riches of these good things. So, and again, the I think the grace is um, is the gift of God that is. Uh, I guess we might we might say understood best uh, or received uh received well when it is uh, when we understand the problem that that uh that led to to our lord coming to die for for uh, such souls as ours that sin is a deep well um uh, very deep eternally deep uh so paul says here in 23 that all fall short and i think you know 
we we tend to think of I actually heard a sermon do it this way once and I didn't like it but we tend to think of sins as shortcomings mere shortcomings and I think you know kind of kind of tie into to this passage here all fall short and so it kind of sounds like well you know we just have some some mishaps here and there we sort of have our shortcomings but what's really going on with our sin that leads us to know and receive of God's grace is um, that we've broken the high law of the land. Uh, it is God's righteous standard. I mean, this is serious business, and I just think we we cannot fully grasp how how deep and dark is the well of of our sin. The, the self righteous will not stand before God. Self justification doesn't work. Uh, no bragging rights. There. Um, there, there's just no straight A's with God when it comes to keeping his law, and um, and he's the impartial judge. I mean, that's kind of the state that the world is in without a Savior, and we know this as Christians. Uh, and it's why we can rejoice in these passages. You know, verses 24, uh, verse 24 here, justified by his grace as a gift, Um through the redemption in Christ Jesus, the the justification uh, is is um, well in the, the root word in the original language is the same word translated uh, by the ESV here as righteous or righteousness, and I think it's helpful to to know that as we study these texts because we see that you know God does the justifying; He's the one that declares uh, or sees us as as righteous because of Christ. Uh, and these are the same concept in the original, and I think we kind of need to need to know that. Um, you know, what, what this is, and as you, I'm, I'm sure, well know, Pastor Boo, this is uh, first century legal talk that God has justified the sinner, uh, refers to the, the spoken act of his honor, you know, the judge who, who has power to pronounce one either guilty or just, free or or bound. And as I've done it uh, in sermons before, I, I'd just like to kind of give us a picture of this. You're in the courtroom. Uh, you, you stand before the impartial judge. You're guilty as charged. And, you know, God the Father um, is not indifferent to your sin. And as you stand there, there is there is Christ at your side. He is your attorney, your defender. And in a moment, offers himself to receive your penalty within himself. And uh, so we we see in the image that what God requires, what the what the judge requires, your your representative will now provide. The mallet of of his justice falls. You know, it's the hammer of God that that bears down. And the verdict is announced because of Christ, not guilty. It's 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 undeserved acquittal, and uh, when faith accepts the good verdict, we become a people freed by the declaration of grace. Um, I don't know. Did you want to add anything to that, Pastor Boo? Sorry about that. I guess I'm I can't quite hear you there, so must have a bad connection. I will just uh, continue on then with uh, verse 24. So we're justified by the grace through the redemption in Christ. And, uh, you know, it is all the gift of God for the people of God. 
we're freed by the declaration of God's grace. And that's kind of as far as I've gotten with that. In terms of propitiation, the uh, the atoning sacrifice is the way I've heard it referenced. Uh, it's just one of those words, propitiation, that we we never use in our uh in our day to day you'll you'll hear it in a bible study maybe in a sermon um my experience is in bible classes that i've led when this word comes up people are scratching their heads um as i understand it it's an old testament sacrificial term uh referencing blood covering and uh you know it has the additional sense of appeasing God's wrath. Um, God's not, as I said, he is not indifferent to sin. And um, he gave himself to pay the, the ultimate price through his son. And so, you know, this is a very rich term here. And uh, and and we see that God has, has provided the way through his son as our, our substitute. The other... Um, thing that I have noted here with uh, propitiation is the the sense that it's uh, it's really the sacrifice that fulfills everything from the old the Old Testament and uh, even the day of atonement um, so that you know the all of the sacrificial system all of the law all of the prophet uh, all can you hear me brother points toward our Christ yes indeed I got you there pastor oh Bill. good well, first of all, you are a trooper for keeping on going. We've been having some technical difficulties yeah. on my end. I thought it was my phone. Okay, good. No, no, me. absolutely not. But I've I've heard you the whole time, so I've been enjoying your explanations to the passages. So thank uh, you so much, so much. We've just had a bad connection here. Yep, um, no, no worries. But uh, you know what, brother? Let's actually take a break. And when we come back, we'll regroup and we'll keep digging into gotcha. this passage. Let's do it. Okay, sounds great. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back, folks, to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo, and with me today is the Reverend Scott McDonald of St. John Lutheran Church in Meriden, Connecticut. And uh, I'd like to, before the break, we were having some technical difficulties. I apologize to the listeners, but I tell you what, I am grateful to Pastor McDonald, who clearly is a, uh, you are absolutely a veteran in the faith because you just rolled with it and kept on going. 
I'm so grateful not, to you. Um, I, I'm not ahead. sure what anybody heard, but I, I guess you heard it. So, <laughs> yes, yes, I, you were fine. Um, you know, I'm here in uh, KFUO's satellite studios in Laverne, Minnesota, also known as my office. And so we connect through the internet, and that's just what happens sometimes when we're live. You never know what you're what difficulties you're going to face or bad internet connections. So, uh, brother, before we had that uh, disruption, and I do apologize again for that, you know, we were talking about, yeah, we were talking about, you know, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. Um, That's what I wanted to dig in a little bit with you. Could you explain a little bit about what does he mean that he passed over former sins? Right. Um, I was, you know, making note that in back in verse 21, uh, you know, we, we saw that the law and the prophets bear witness to the coming righteousness so that, you know, everything was looking forward to the coming of Christ and his sacrifice. So, you know, it's all fulfilled uh, in him, all of the Old Testament and uh and he certainly fulfilled the the sacrificial system so uh having said that we know that in old testament times there was a a sacrificial system and god instituted it there was uh you know the the, the blood that would be shed for for covering uh covering of sin uh so you know what we see is that sins were dealt with in that time in view of the coming sacrifice of Christ. Um, you know, it's not as if God just sort of winked his eye and turned aside and said, well, I, I, I'm not going to worry about the sins uh, that took place before my son is sent. Um, it seems that, although it's a bit of a difficult passage, it seems that all of the Old Testament sacrifice took place in view of the actual historical act to come of Christ's um, Christ's death and resurrection. There was a, I came across a note, a Lutheran commentator, R.C.H. Lenski. Uh, he's very good. Um, he said uh, that it, it seems that the Lord, you know, in those days, in Old Testament times, the Lord passed over former sins as if they were already dealt with or removed by the sacrifice. And I think that's what we understand by way of Christ's uh, rather, by way of the sacrificial system of old, that, you know, any power it had was because of Jesus Christ. People approached um, offering the sacrifice in Old Testament time by faith, and uh, and as they did so, it was Christ's um, sacrifice that uh, that granted them grace. Uh, all of it pointing toward, yeah. So the sense that passing over was, was that it... Um, Everything is looking ahead to the the great sacrifice to come, and that will be uh, uh, where you know all our. I, I guess everything is is just sort of revealed in a in a fuller and deeper sense than than ever had been before. Now that Christ has has come, his dying and his his rising. Right. You know, people, and I'm sure they've asked you too in your Bible studies. They've asked me. You know, well, before Jesus, how were people saved? And the simplest right. answer, of course, draws its inspiration from Romans here, and that is they're saved the same way we are. Yeah. It's not as though God said, here's my law, and I want you guys to keep it perfectly, and if you do that, then hey, you're in. 
And then after, you know, five, 6,000 years, he goes, yeah, this isn't working out. Here's plan B. I'm going to send Jesus. And that's right. just not in case anyone's unclear. Right. It's not how it happened. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we have the proto-oyangelion, right? The first gospel. Indeed. And it tells Indeed. us that the seed, the, the seed of the woman is going to save us. So we look here and we see a development of thought from Paul. You know, righteousness of God is from faith, and it's always been that way. And who's it for? It's for all who believe, right? And and why? Because there's no Jew or Gentile distinction. That's the argument he's been making up to this point. And why is there no distinction between the Jews who had the law and the Gentiles who didn't have the law? Is because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which is what we see in verse 23 here. And then finally, what's the solution? And the solution is grace, is gift. What grace, um, I, you know, for catechumens, we might say God's riches at Christ's expense. Mm, Jesus right. is the one who takes on our punishment and then, of course, in exchange gives us his righteousness. And so the people of former times, whereas we are saved by faith in the Messiah who has come, they were saved in their faith in the Messiah who was to come in the promise that God had given them. Well said. Yeah. No. Right. Well said. Yeah, it, it is, as you said, Pastor, it's uh, largely misunderstood today. Um, I, I, I've heard more than once the, the misunderstanding that, uh, you know, somehow in the Old Testament, God was a, um, a more severe judge and, uh, uh, and that Christ is the kinder, gentler Lord. Uh, the other one is, of, of course, that, yeah, you know, people were saved by their works in the old times. Uh, now we're saved by grace. And all of these are misunderstandings. We, right. Sin is, is serious. Uh, God is uh, the judge of, uh, the, he is the, um, you know, he is the, he is the judge that we stand before and there is one Savior. He is Christ. It's always been uh, grace and salvation in uh, in our God, and now we see that it's revealed in in Jesus Christ. So it's kind of a you know it's uh, the way I what? yeah yeah I was just going to say a, a, a fuller uh, revelation uh, in in the sense that uh, now in this present time it is that it has been revealed. But you know, so many people I think in history and literature have tried to emasculate Jesus or feminize Jesus or take away from Jesus his divinity, right? Because we have Jesus yeah. now in popular culture as this soft-spoken, you know, I call it a church basement movie Jesus. You know, those are the movies you were shown yeah. in the church basement, yeah. and he's he's walking around, and he's just gentle. And of course, I do believe that Christ was gentle, right. but he was God. And our yeah. If you're on the three-year lectionary, the text from mm -hmm. yesterday, uh, pardon me, from Sunday, would have demonstrated that. You know, Jesus comes and he says, do you think that I have come to bring peace? You know, no, but he came right. to bring division. Not that he wants the division, but the reality is that Jesus, because he represents the truth and the knowledge and the wisdom of God, and the fact that some people are going to reject that, there necessarily then is division in this world. And it just shows us that God is Christ. Christ is God, the same God that has always existed. Now, yeah, our last indeed. verses, which we haven't quite gotten to, but we're going to right now, are verses 27 through 31. 
Before we move on to these verses, is there anything else you think we should cover? I, I just wanted to call attention to, you know, verse 26 referenced that all of this, uh, you know, sort of the passing over uh, until the time of Christ was to show his righteousness to us. It says, Paul says, at the present time. And I just found that that sort of jumped off the page at me as I was studying. Um, you know, Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. And in his day, it was the present time. We're still in the presence of God's grace. The, the, the sacrifice uh, that justifies is, is for our present time as well. So, you know, uh, God's word, um, the, same, the same yesterday, today, and forever in Christ. And, um, and so, yeah, just wanted to kind of point, point that out. Well, I think that's a very good thing to point out because we have people today who will say things like, well, you know, if Jesus would come back today, would show himself, would do the things he did 2,000 years ago, well, then we'd believe. But then the question is, well, what about 2,000 years? Let's say he did that. Well, about 2,000 years from now, they'd say the same thing. 2,000 years from then, uh, 2,000 years before he actually came. So God came at the present time, which, as you noted, was 2,000-some years ago. But that was the time. That was God's good timing. And how many things were taught, declared, proclaimed 2,000 years ago, and yet they've been lost to history, but this message that Christ is God and he's the just and justifier, that is God is, of the one who has faith in his Christ, that message is still being proclaimed today. So I, I think it's just external evidence to the, uh, the power of God's word. So we're going to look yes. at verses 27 through 31, and I'm going to read them again from the ESV. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. All right, so what becomes of our boasting? If we are saved outside of our keeping of the law, then can we take credit for any of that? Well, it's it's a rhetorical question. Um as it starts, but actually Paul does answer the, his question. What becomes of the boasting? He says it is excluded. Uh, we might say, what becomes of it? Nothing. Nothing becomes of it. We can do uh, nothing to save ourselves, although uh, many, so, so many try. Um, you know, self-justification, as I said, self-justification just doesn't work with God. He gets... Uh, he gets the credit. It, it's not about um, our just uh, justifying of ourselves, but God's justifying of his, uh, his people, his declaration of, of, of grace. And, uh, you know, he asks, what kind of, what kind of law uh, is, is, is this? Uh, what becomes of our boasting? Uh, and uh, it is excluded by what kind of law? Well, not by a law of works, but the law of faith. It seems to me, and I'd like your insights, Pastor Boo, 
seems to me that here Paul may be using a little bit of double entendre because, you know, he had been speaking of the, the law of God that, that accuses us, the Ten Commands that show us our uh, fallen sinfulness. Uh, but, but here we've got the, the phrase law of faith. Um, and, and it seems to me he's sort of using the word law in the sense of a, a way, uh, the new way of life for us as, as believers, faith in Christ. As he, he says, I think it's later on in chapter 8, um, that it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ that makes us, you know, God's people. Right. What, what are your thoughts on you, that? Well, I think that, you know, whenever we talk about the law, I have heard um, from non-Lutheran pastors that the idea of the law of Christ is that we now it, – it's as if Christ is the new Moses, the new lawgiver. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so we had mm -hmm. the law of the Old Testament. We couldn't keep it. Christ comes. He fulfills that law, but then he gives us a new law. Ordinances and laws like now you have to be baptized. God doesn't do anything mm -hmm. for you through baptism. Rather, you're keeping that law or the Lord's oh, Supper. Right. You have to keep it regularly to please God. And that, of course, sucks the grace out of these wonderful yeah. means of God's grace. It's not mm -hmm. the correct view, it's not the way the Bible talks about it. But I like the way that you put it. You know, we see this idea that. Now we have this new life, and if, and if you want to use law, if you want to talk about keeping the law, then now understand that there is this law of faith, this law of faith that where your keeping of faith, which of course is a gift to you by the Holy Spirit, that's the means by which you are saved. You know, at the very beginning right. of chapter 3, he asks this very salacious question. He says, what then? Are Jews any better off? And of course the answer is is no, not at all, because he had been laying out how Jews had been given the prophets and the law and all of these things. So down here in the toward the end of that same chapter, he's referencing when he talks about boasting, of course, those who at his time would boast that they are Jews. They would boast that they are sons of Abraham. They might boast that they had the law. Today, we think of it in a little bit different context, we think of those who may boast in their good works, boast in their church attendance or the absence of attendance, you know, how they're so mm. uh, enlightened that they know they don't need to go to church or something like that. We're always looking for ways to boast in how good a person we are, and of course, thereby, we must be included in God's kingdom. And yeah, Paul's making it clear, nope, those are laws of works. If you want to have a law, then the law is of faith, but it is a play on words that this law mm -hmm. is not something that you keep, but rather something that's bestowed upon you. Yeah, uh, and again, it's um, it's righteousness for the present time. That That's still today, and, um, you know, it, it was for Paul, and um, one of the things I've always appreciated about uh being a part of the, the Church of the Reformation, the Lutheran Church, we we hold that you know God has given to His Church uh, the the one faith um, delivered once for all, delivered to the saints, and so that you know what what Paul believed is what. Uh, it's what every Christian wants to believe, um, but it's what we believe we, we've been given uh, in the uh, thanks be to God through the Reformation. Um, many of these truths that had 
largely been lost or covered over with the dust of years have been, you know, the gospel has been, you know, recovered. Um, so we're we're in that present time where grace still speaks to us today. Uh, you know, I was just going to kind of um, reference verse 28. Um, Paul says, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Well, he's said that before, but but here, it's we hold it, he says. And I, and I think that's interesting. It's something that he and the people he served, uh, the, the, the churches um, of the day, they held these truths. Um, we still do today. And so, again, uh, what, what they held to be true, that we're justified by faith, is what we, too, hold today as God's Christian people uh, that we are justified by faith apart from works of the law. They they do not save. It's not that we don't uh, live in that faith in a lively way. And I and I know that's that's how this this section will conclude. We'll we'll talk about the place of the law uh, in just a moment. But just thought I'd kind well, of reference that. Well, absolutely. And and that last point you brought out, right? He says, "For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law." But in our rush to proclaim that we're not saved by our works but by faith, do we diminish that the law or keeping the law or good works are actually part of the Christian life? So one thing I've heard said, and I it resonates with me, is that Lutheran pastors especially, we have to kind of look at ourselves, examine ourselves. We've been up there mm. preaching that no one is saved by works but rather by, by faith. For so long that we failed to notice that our parishioners, the people in the pews, aren't breaking their necks trying to work their way into heaven anymore. That's not quite a position in the world that's an issue. During the time of Luther, when people felt like the law had been renewed in the canon of the church and that doing all of these extraneous works were the means by which they would gain favor before God, then it was very important to proclaim, just as Paul did here, in their present time, in their context, that we are certainly justified without works of the law. But you fast forward to 2022, you look around, and no one's you know, striving to try to keep all these holy laws in order to please God. In fact, it's swung the other way a little bit. Now we have mm -hmm. people who say, well, since I'm saved by faith, then I don't have to do anything, not even come to church, not even yeah. help the poor, not even do any of those things. Those things don't save me which is true, so I don't need to do them at all. You know, where's the fine line? Where's the distinction that we need to make? Yeah, I I find it troubling when I hear people say things like, well, um, you know, we're not bound to the Old Testament any longer. Uh, and by, by saying that, they mean, therefore, you know, we're not bound to any of the laws uh, and then, of course, what that means is it's up to one's own personal interpretation what to accept and what to reject from. From the Old Testament, there's there's confusion, I think, um, about the difference between, you know, maybe a, a, a civil law of the day or a ceremonial law from Old Testament time. And, you know, um, you know we know that those are fulfilled in Christ, uh, dietary laws and so on, that we are not not bound to but uh, but the lord made it clear jesus said that the scripture cannot be broken um i did not come to do away with the law but to fulfill it and he said that uh 
scriptures will not be broken. So, so God's law, his word, is forever, and it's for us today. So fast forward to today, as you said, we stand before him saved by his grace. Now what? Well, um, the, the fruit uh, will, will, will be born by way of the good root. The good root will lead to the good fruit, and, and yet there's cultivating of that fruit. We want to facilitate its growth, do what we can, focus on his word, pray for his grace. Um, fill me with your spirit and, and lead me, Lord, in your ways. His laws are, are a guide for our lives today is what we mean, isn't it? That uh, Absolutely. we need to know what, what, what's next and, and how to live. Uh, and just one more thing I guess I had meant to say. I, I fear in our day that what we do is uh, – we we put ourselves as the as the judge over God's words uh, in so many ways, and maybe it's um, it's just our culture where um, personal opinion reigns. We tend to feel that if it's you know if I feel a certain way, if it's subjective, it's it's my reality, and that's what matters. So, um, and I, I I hear people uh, sort of dismiss things that. Uh, that, that maybe St. Paul said or, or others have said that they don't feel really fit with the, the morals of today. And, uh, well, they didn't understand in those days. And uh, we have a better understanding of God's love today and this, this sort of thing. So I think the problem is, is, is dismissing God's words and his biblical record for the, uh, you know, the morals of our day and uh, sort of personal opinion trumping trumping everything. Um, I don't know. Do you want to comment to that? Yeah. You know, I mean, we have this idea that if we are in the right church, we believe the right doctrine, um, then everything is fine. But we, but as I said earlier, that belief, that faith, we often take as not the gifts of God given to us through the Holy Spirit, that is faith, handed down from the prophets and the apostles, that is our good doctrine, we often think of those things as our works, things we've done that we can boast in, as Paul might say. So when he says things like, is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? I think it. we have to reflect on those things in our present time to understand God is the God of the universe. And what Paul's trying to communicate here is that his plan of salvation has not changed even though – there are Jews and there are Gentiles, there are different peoples, there are different even positions, that God is the one who will justify, right? He's the judge, and he's going to justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith. So as Lutherans are, are ought to say, you know, no one is saved by perfect doctrine. We're all saved by faith. Now, when we, of course, have that faith, we live in it, live in it lively, as you said, what flows from that are our good works. What flows from that is our desire to have right doctrine, not just to believe anything or try to interpret the Bible for ourselves. But we begin by recognizing that our salvation isn't because we belong to this particular church or that I even show up every Sunday. It is that we have been given the gift of faith, and it's from that faith that flows the law of faith, so to speak. It's from that gift of faith that we get flows all of the good works that we do, which um, which result in helping our neighbor and serving God in that way. Right. Uh, and 
again, uh, Paul's words are are for our present day. We uphold the law, he said, and we do. We still uphold God's law uh, today. It, it definitely, um, you know, points the finger in our direction and reminds us we're sinners still in need of a Savior as long as we live. But it also, that law also, um, those commands also show us how to live this side of heaven. And yes, in, the, in that lively way since we've been given uh, given life. Yeah. Just as you now, said. Now, if... Yeah. Uh, if if we have any listeners out there who are struggling with their abilities to get to church or they're struggling with their abilities to get to Bible study, and that's one of the things that they enjoy about this program, how can you provide them some gospel from this text? You know, How can you address them in a way that makes them understand that their salvation is contingent not upon the keeping of laws but rather the, um, the proclamation of the gospel and what Jesus has done? Well, it's true. You know, um, we are people called by God. Uh, Christian people are are called to the faith. They are given uh, His saving grace. Uh, the, the the word church in the New Testament is a uh, is a word that means gathering. It, it it's more than one. And we, we remember Jesus' words that where two or more are gathered in His name, He is there. And they're gathered by God. And there are times we cannot gather together with other believers. Um, we, we we pray for others. We seek our God um, in our our solitude. But uh, but we know that we are His people, saved by His grace. Uh, yes, ideally we we gather. Uh, we seek a place and, and pray for a, a place to grow. As Peter said, grow in the grace and the knowledge. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, um, we are His people, saved by His grace uh, for good works, as Paul said, uh, that we would give glory to our God in our lives. Absolutely, you know, we as pastors speak a lot about the need to gather, or maybe I should say, be gathered by God. So I think it's also important that we remember that we are saved because of faith. And then if you have this desire in your heart to gather and you're able, then gather with fellow Christians. That's what's necessary. And if you're not able, then that desire is evidence that the Holy Spirit has placed it upon your heart to be with his people. And I'm thankful to be with you today. And I'm very thankful to my guest, the uh, the Reverend Scott McDonald. Um, and I'm happy that all of us have been able to connect today, despite some of our technical difficulties on Thy Strong Word. Folks, I've been your host, Pastor Phil Boo. We'll gather together around God's Word again tomorrow as we continue our study of Paul's letter to the Romans. Pastor McDonald, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Pastor Boo. I enjoyed it. Until we meet again, may God's peace and blessings be with you all.